Okay, great. Um, so hello, and uh, thank you for all coming out tonight and braving the cold weather. Thanks to Carol and um, Brittany and Amberly who already presented great presentations, and thanks again to um, SACFA. Um, so I'm going to be presenting a conference paper that I delivered in Charlottetown um, this past August, and it was um, the first ever international abortion conference, which brought out a lot of attention and um, serious debate about abortion access and abortion throughout the world. So, um, as I was researching the barriers um, facing women seeking abortion services, I realized that 15 minutes is just not nearly enough time to fully address the numerous obstacles facing women across Canada. I will, however, try to address some of the primary obstacles and challenges that are most apparent in Alberta and Newfoundland and Labrador. Prior to 1988, abortion in Canada often resulted in an individual, usually a woman, being charged with seeking or procuring an abortion. According to scholar Howard A. Pally's paper on Canadian abortion policy, between the years 1900 and 1972, approximately 1,793 1, individuals were charged with facilitating or obtaining an, or obtaining an abortion. Of this number, 64.4% were convicted. In 1988, some of the barriers for seeking an abortion in Canada were removed. The relentless activism and work by pro-choice individuals during the 1960s and the 1970s led to the complete decriminalization of abortion in 1988. The Supreme Court of Canada ruled that Section 251 of the Criminal Code of Canada, where state interference with bodily integrity and serious state-imposed psychological stress clearly constituted a breach of security of the person, end quote. Since this ruling struck down the 1969 abortion law, citing it as unconstitutional, abortion has become legal in Canada. Yet, despite the fact that abortion in Canada remains legal, there exists today countless barriers standing in the way of women who seek to obtain an abortion. Perhaps the main barrier facing many women, particularly women from rural communities, is finding clinics and hospitals that will perform safe and affordable abortions. In addition to locating abortion facilities, many women are faced with relentless harassment from individuals opposing her choice. For my purposes, I have chosen Alberta, Newfoundland, and Labrador as specific case studies to demonstrate that despite specific regulations on abortion services in provinces, there exist glaring obstacles that impede women's reproductive autonomy from Western to Eastern Canada. Uncovering the primary barriers facing women first begins with deconstructing how the private and public are blurred in the argument against reproductive autonomy. According to scholar Jody L. Jacobson in The Global Politics of Abortion, access to abortion and other family planning services, like healthcare in general, is determined by four variables, laws, policies, the way they are interpreted, the commitment of public funds to provide services, and personal resources, particularly money. Control over many of these factors, from the enforced shortage of available facilities to the personal antipathy of physicians, is used by opponents of abortion rights to limit access to service. End quote. Each barrier created for women seeking abortions, both nationally and internationally, illustrates how the personal is political. Every anti-choice demonstration, political debate, and financial decrease for health resources enforces the belief that women's reproduction can be controlled. 
scholars Christabel Stefna and Marianne Jewell analyzed the disparities in accessing and traveling to freestanding abortion clinics across Canada. According to Stefna and Jewell, there are both legal and extra-legal obstacles created to reduce women's accessibility to abortion services. Stefna and Jewell outlined that extra-legal obstacles may include institutional policies regulating the delivery of abortion services, the costs of the procedure, the imposition of gestation limits, the lack of confidentiality, anti-choice harassment and violence, and the location of abortion services." End quote. Furthermore, Sethna and Dole state that the extra-legal barriers have led to a steady drop in public sector hospitals performing abortions since 1977. The abysmal rate of hospitals that perform abortions in Canada, combined with the urban location of freestanding abortion clinics, creates multiple challenges for women from rural, uh, rural areas seeking abortion services. Throughout this paper, I will be analyzing studies conducted on private and public abortion services, specifically focusing on the implications for women in rural communities in Alberta, Newfoundland, and Labrador. Allocating funds that provides both medical and psychological support remains the primary obstacle for women across Canada, primarily in the maritime provinces. There are, however, countless intimidation tactics by the anti-choice movement that provide the graphic physical reminder of the drastic means some individuals will go to to add psychological stress for women seeking an abortion. Across Canada, there are 26 freestanding abortion clinics and only 15.9% of Canadian hospitals that will provide abortion services to women. In Alberta, there are freestanding abortion clinics and hospitals that provide surgical abortions located only in the two largest cities in the province, Calgary and Edmonton. In contrast to Alberta, Newfoundland and Labrador has one freestanding clinic and three hospitals that provide surgical but not medical abortion procedures. Like Alberta, however, most women seeking an abortion in the province of Newfoundland and Labrador travel to the main urban center. The travel to and from the clinic the wait times for the clinic, allocating funds for services, finding adequate support, dealing with anti-choice harassment prior to and following an abortion represents just some obstacles that face women in both provinces. I will review later how anti-choice harassment continues to influence women's access to abortion facilities in both provinces. First, I will review the legal history of abortion in Canada by examining how the Badgley Report of 1977 demonstrated to the federal government the flaws associated with the 1969 Omnibus Bill and the Therapeutic Abortion Council. The Badgley Report created legislative evidence focusing on the invasive and unnecessary treatments women seeking abortions received. Ultimately, the 1977 report further opened discussion on how to reduce the barriers facing women's seeking reproductive services. Prior to the full decriminalization of abortion in Canada in 1988, the Badgley Report was created by the federal government in 1975 to determine if therapeutic abortion services were offering, operating equitably across Canada. While the Badgley Report was completed 11 years prior to the 1988 R. vs. Morgenthaler Supreme Court ruling, it addressed the disparities in the equitable treatment of women seeking abortions across Canada, many of which still exist today. In the 1977 report, Professor Robin Batchley concluded that provinces were interpreting the abortion law of 1969 and modifying interpretations concerning consent, the age of abortion 
or the age of the woman procuring the abortion, among other aspects, end quote. Following the decriminalization of abortion in Canada, some limitations were removed for women. Um, today, however, there are still multiple barriers for women seeking an abortion across Canada that were also addressed in the Bachelor Report. Newfoundland first approved full coverage of abortion services at the Morgenthaler Clinic in St. John's in 1998, 10 years following R versus Morgenthaler. The clinic first opened in 1998 with no provincial funding and a fee that ranged from $400 to $750. In 1993, the clinic was able to reduce the cost of its services as the provincial government agreed to partially provide coverage for abortion services by paying physicians who performed abortions at the clinic. The decision to participate or to partially provide funding for abortion services opened up a debate in Newfoundland over whether abortions were considered a legitimate medical procedure. The manager of the Morgenthaler Clinic in 1995, Peggy Keats, argued that by providing partial funding to the physicians at the clinic, the province was recognizing the services as legitimate. Moreover, the argument was made that because abortion is a legitimate medical procedure, it should therefore be covered fully by the province and not out of the pockets of women. Keats further goes on to describe the socioeconomic range of women coming to the clinic to obtain abortions. Keats states, This is a province where people don't have a lot of money. We've had women coming in here with income tax checks, with their student loans, with whatever money they could come up with. That, that should never have happened. End quote. While Keats's quote dates back to 1998 and primarily focuses on women's experiences seeking abortion over the age of 18, scholar done, er, research done by scholar Alexander McKay focuses on the growing trend of teenage abortion rates in Newfoundland from 2007 to 2010. McKay's research found that Newfoundland's teenage abortion rate increased 4.8% from 2007 to 2010 and was one of only three provinces in Canada that saw an increase in abortion rates during this time. In contrast to Newfoundland, Alberta saw a 1.7% decrease in teenage abortion rates from 18.6% in 2007 to 16.9% in 2010. Nationally, McKay found that teenage abortions made up 52.1% of teenage pregnancy rates. McKay also stated, however, that current methods for tabulating the number of non-hospital abortions occurring in Canada results in an underestimate of teenage abortion rates. The increase in teen pregnancy rates in Newfoundland and Labrador illustrates not only the importance of sexual education, but also the need for increased, increased reproductive services for women in the province, including contraception and abortion facilities. And while McKay's research focuses on the increase in teen abortion rates, the research neglects to mention the other barriers facing women under the province's legal age of consent. In Newfoundland, the two main centers where women go seeking an abortion are the Health Sciences Center and the Athena Health Center, formerly the Morgenthaler Center, which are both located in St. John's, Newfoundland. In the province of Newfoundland and Labrador, no woman over 15 weeks gestation can obtain an abortion that is provincially funded. In addition to a maximum gestation period of 15 weeks, the HSC also enforces that no woman under the age of 19 can obtain an abortion without parental consent. 
the one exception where a woman under the age of 19 can obtain abortion without parental consent is if she is independent from her family. The HSC also demands a pregnancy confirmation, confirmation and physician referral before an appointment can be made. Furthermore, both facilities require that women obtaining an abortion be at least eight weeks pregnant, but no further along than 15 weeks." Newfoundland is also one province where medical abortions are not provided. The implementation of a minimum age at the Health Sciences Centre echoes similar findings from the 1977 Batchley Report, where provinces were interpreting and modifying policies on abortion to disadvantage the woman seeking an abortion. And while Alberta may not have the same barriers in place for women seeking abortion services, its lack of resources in rural communities, combined with the anti-choice harassment, demonstrates how the extra legal obstacles can consequently result in Alberta having the third lowest abortion-providing hospitals in Canada. Currently in Alberta, there are no restrictions that any woman under the age of 18 must receive parental consent prior to receiving an abortion. Alberta is also one province in Canada that provides health care coverage for both medical and surgical abortions up to 20 weeks in both clinics and hospitals. There are, however, other extra-legal barriers that limit women's access to safe, publicly funded, and accessible abortion services in Alberta. There are six hospitals and two private, 6% of hospitals and two private clinics in Alberta that provide abortion services for women. The two private clinics the Kensington Clinic in Calgary and the Women's Health Options Clinic in Edmonton have different gestation limits for women seeking abortion services. At the Kensington Clinic in Calgary, women can obtain an abortion up to 20 weeks gestation, but at the Women's Health Center Health Options Clinic in Edmonton, women must receive the abortion before 19 weeks and 6 days. In addition to providing services for women in Alberta, the two private clinics also provide services for women from Saskatchewan and the Northwest Territories. In Saskatchewan, provincial health care covers the cost of abortions at hospitals up to 14 weeks gestation, but the province has no services at private clinics available to women. For women living in Saskatchewan who cannot obtain a hospital abortion, they must travel to the, pri the two private clinics located in Alberta. And while the Saskatchewan government does cover the cost of abortions at the two private clinics in Alberta, the Kensington Clinic in Calgary and the Clinic in Edmonton, women must, the women must still make the journey to and from the clinic. Each woman's gestation and her location in both the province of Alberta and Saskatchewan will determine which clinic she must travel to. And while the provincial government of Alberta will provide funding for women seeking an abortion up to 20 weeks gestation, any woman from Saskatchewan over 14 weeks gestation is not covered by her province. The stress of finding a person to travel with, allocating the extra funds for the trip to and from the clinic, accounting for the travel and recovery time from the procedure, and the time off from work and day-to-day -day activities provides just a few examples of the multiple barriers facing women who choose to have an abortion. Furthermore, considering the lack of freestanding abortion clinics in Alberta, combined with the varying gestation limits and the extra women traveling from Saskatchewan creates a higher demand and stress on healthcare providers at clinics and hospitals, as well as increases the waiting time for abortion services. The abysmal numbers of freestanding abortion clinics and overcrowded hospitals means that in Alberta, according to research conducted by Jessica Shaw for Canadians for Choice, 
there is only one providing hospital for every 190,000 fertile women. The lack of resources available to women, namely women from rural countries and neighboring provinces, provides one example of the obstacles women face who seek an abortion. There is, however, the continuous harassment from anti-choice groups across Alberta that reinforces the current obstacles facing women in the struggle for reproductive justice. On the travel to either the Kensington Clinic or Peter Lockheed Hospital, women are faced with anti-choice messages posted on trailers on the side of the highway both to and from Calgary. The rhetoric on the trailer, the images combined with the anti-choice terminology, is strategically placed so that no woman from a rural community can avoid viewing at least one, but more times, multiple graphic anti-choice messages. For a woman traveling both to and from the, clinic in, uh, the Kensington Clinic and or the Peter Lockheed Hospital, this journey can be par particularly distressing. For many women living in small rural communities in Alberta, this drive symbolically represents just one example of the countless roadblocks women face from anti-choice protests in the struggle for reproductive freedom. In an article published by the Calgary Sun on the 14th of May, 2013, Michael Platt discussed recent activities of anti-abortion groups in Alberta. That includes traveling across Calgary with a truck displaying a graphic anti-abortion photo. In addition to the vivid depiction of a dismembered fetus, the anti-choice protesters stuffed over 50,000 postcards in the southwest area of the city. Platt further goes on to describe the group's other pursuits within the city, which includes a visit to the Henry Wise Wood High School and George Door campaigning that left postcards with disturbing images at the doorstep of individuals. This kind of publicity is not uncommon in the city of Calgary, one of the two cities in Alberta that provides therapeutic medical and surgical abortions up to 20 weeks gestation. In Alberta, the anti-choice group known as the Alberta Pro-Life Alliance Association, or the Wilberforce Project, has been actively seeking to create further obstacles for women seeking publicly funded abortion services since 1986. The group strategically positions anti-choice individuals in both Calgary and Edmonton to write letters, stuff envelopes, and organize public rallies across both cities to actively discourage women from obtaining an abortion through constant harassment. As previously mentioned, anti-choice images and message, messages are scattered throughout the province in both rural and urban areas. These intimidation tactics serve as a constant reminder of the legal barriers and extra-legal barriers that women seeking abortion services face in Alberta. The history of abortion in Canada is contentious and divided. Today, women face some of the same barriers in accessing abortion services across Canada as women once did prior to our versus versus Morgenthaler Supreme Court ruling that decriminalized abortion. In both Alberta and Newfoundland and Labrador, the majority of women opted for abortion services at freestanding clinics over obtaining um, an abortion at the hospital. Um, they did this because they felt less judged and harassed than going to the hospital. As exemplified in the publication by Jessica Shaw for Canadians for Choice, Research concludes that in both Alberta and Newfoundland and Labrador, long distances and costs associated with travel is one of the leading barriers facing women in accessing abortion services. The activities of groups like the Alberta Pro-Life Alliance Association further demonstrate the continuous harassment women seeking an abortion face. 
The purpose of this discussion here today and the work of the individuals here tonight highlights the multiple barriers that we must remove before obtaining full reproductive justice. And that's... <laughs>